The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning. Good morning. If you would grab your new song notes and you can follow along with me this morning. If you want to get out your Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 20. My name's Josh. I'm the pastor if you're new here. So glad to have you with us on this beautiful day. You guys feeling good? You sure? Okay, good. You look good. Everybody looks good this morning. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're looking good. Looking good. Make sure you get those pictures done today because you look good, right? Well, we're going to take a break. I know it says on the top of your little new song notes there that we're doing Sticks and Stones, but we're actually not today. We're taking a break from our series, and I want, we're going to pick that back up next week. Make sure you're back here with us next week. It's going to be really good. But uh, I have a special message for you today to go along with it being Mother's Day. And uh, we're going to look at a story of a wise woman from the Bible and learn some lessons from her life that I think are critical to us in our life. What we see in the life of this of this woman, this wise woman, the Bible calls her, is she dealt with some problems. She dealt with some issues. And I think we can learn a lot with, from how she dealt with these issues that will help us, whether you're a man, woman, student, wherever you may find yourself today, will help you to deal with the issues and the problems that we all face in our life. So 2 Samuel chapter 20, let me, let me kind of set this up for you. Uh, the kingdom of Israel is in a bad situation. It's kind of divided right now because King David, you remember him, David and Goliath, you know that whole story. He's now the king, and uh, there's been a, a revolt against him. His son Absalom has, has risen up and, and tried to divide the kingdom, and so there's kind of like a, been a civil war taking place. Uh, but Absalom has just died, and in the wake of his death, another guy rises up to kind of try to seize on the opportunity of this revolt and, and divide the kingdom even further, and his name is Sheba. And so Sheba comes along, and he, he comes in, and he says, hey, we're going to do things uh, different than David. In fact, he has a statement. He says, we will have no share in David. He says, we're not doing things David's way. We're not doing things the way his God is doing things. We're, we're doing our own thing. And so as this happens, obviously, this, David sees this as a threat to, to his kingdom and to what God is, has called him to do, which is be the leader of this kingdom. And so he sends some of his men, in fact, his, his lead uh, army officer, a guy named Joab, he sends with an army to go chase after Sheba to kill him, to take him out. Uh, as they're going after him, Sheba flees into this little, this little city called Abel. And when he gets to the city, even though it's an Israelite city, it's a city under the rule of King David, they decide to harbor this guy and to give him a place of, of refuge within their city. So they, they put all the gates up, they seal up the city, and they're not allowing anyone in or anyone out. So Joab, who's leading this army, shows up at the city, and he sees that this city is not letting him in, and so he declares war against the city and starts to set up to to invade the city. And in, the Bible says that they take, these, they take the dirt and they mound it up against the gates. So basically, there's no way anyone can get out of the city. There's no, one in, no way anyone can get into the city. So basically, they've cut them off from their resources. Uh, they're starving them. They're going to make it where they can't, they, they have no food. They have no way of resupplying themselves. And then the Bible says that they set up this battering ram. They take this huge log and they begin to bang this thing against the walls of the city. And this is going on all the time. They are just constantly battering the walls of this city. Now imagine living in the city at this time. You're in the city, and your city has allowed a rebel to take refuge in the city. And so now because of that, your city is under attack. And realize this, 
It, when, those, when those invaders, when they get into the city, they're not just going to get Sheba. There's going to be a lot of other damage that takes place. With, with, with their invasion means that there's going to be a lot of lives lost, lost innocent lives, families that are torn apart, homes that are destroyed. I mean, war is going to be ugly. It's not a good thing. And yet no one is rising up against this. Now imagine you're in the city. I mean, this is what it was like at that time. There's this constant barrage of this battering ram banging against the walls. I imagine there's this kind of like Jurassic Park, you know, when you hear the dinosaur coming in and the little water moves. It's kind of like going on all the time. Like the, the ground is shaking. The walls are shaking. The ceilings are shaking. There's this, this, this thud sound that just keeps repeating. Boom, 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 boom. Two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning, all the time, this sound is, is resonating. And as it resonates, here's what you know. When they break through that wall, destruction is coming. Destruction is coming against our city. Lives are going to be lost. Innocent people are going to be killed. All because we're allowing a rebel inside of our city. So it's a bad deal. And no one, none of the city leaders, no one's rising up, no one's doing anything about it until somebody does. And that's where we'll pick up verse 16 of 2 Samuel chapter 20 says this, Then a wise woman, everybody say wise woman. A wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. So, so she says, Hey, I, I want to talk to Joab. I want to talk to the leader. Bring him by so that I can, I can talk to him. When he had come near, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely seek guidance at Abel. Now remember, Abel is the name of this city. She goes on to say, And so they would end disputes there. So, so what she does here is she says, This city used to be a great city in the kingdom of Israel. This city used to be a city where people would have disputes, people would have arguments, and they would come to the city and those arguments would get settled. They'd come here with confusion and they'd leave with answers. It was a city of answers. Verse 20, Joab, uh, or verse 19, she says this, I am among the peaceable and the faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? So she's saying, hey, I know what this sound that, that I keep hearing means. I know that this, this banging against the walls means destruction is coming. I know that your presence here means that bad things are going to come into this city if something doesn't change, why are you doing this? Why are you going to destroy this city that was once great in the kingdom of Israel? Verse 20, and Joab answered and said, far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. He says, listen, lady, my beef's not with you. My problem is not with you. It's not with this city. My problem is with what you've allowed to be in the city. My problem is that you have given a rebel refuge in your city, and that's the problem. And he goes on to say this. Look at what he says. He says, deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So he says, you get rid of the rebel, and, and this destruction that you, you sense is coming on you, it's going to end. It's going to go away. Just deliver us the rebel. Now, here's what gets really awesome, okay? She, so the women said to Joab, this is... Amazing. Watch. His head will be thrown to you over the wall. This is awesome. This is a wise woman, the Bible calls her. And she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw his head over the wall. You just wait. This is, a, this is a mama, a bad mama, right? Like a bad mama in a good sense, right? Like a bad mother. You guys following me? 
And I'm glad we got some moms sometimes that'll rise up when junk's going on, aren't you? My mom's here today, and she's sweet. You would never know it, but she'll jack you up if you mess with her. You mess with her cubs, she will jack you up, man. I remember once, I didn't tell this first service, but I'll tell it to you guys. I remember one time I was playing in my neighborhood as a little kid, and I was playing football with this other kid. You remember this, Mom? And this, uh, this other little kid, we were playing tackle football with no pads in the neighborhood, and this other little kid got hurt. And his mom came out and told me she was going to kill me. Yeah, so apparently, you know, I was like, what, 10 maybe? I went home, and I was crying because the mom just threatened my life. And I went home and told my mom, and I remember she just marched out of the house, and uh, it got dealt with. She dealt with the lady that just threatened the life of her child. Yeah, not, not good. But, but I'm glad there are moms that will rise up. We need moms that will rise up and do something. Look at what it goes on to say, verse 22. Then the woman in her wisdom, notice again it speaks to her wisdom, went to all the people and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew the trumpet and they withdrew from the city and every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king of Jerusalem. I love this story. It's one of those stories I think we can read in the Bible and we can kind of blow over it kind of easily. But I think there's some, some character traits that we see in this woman today that I think that we can put in our life to help us to deal with the problems of our life. That will help us to deal when destruction is coming against our family, against our home, against the things that we love and that we care about. How we deal with these problems in our life. Because she deals with the problem and when she deals with the rebel, the, the destruction leaves. The destruction never comes upon her. So, so how do we deal with the rebel? How do we deal with the problems in our life? I want to show you three things that we can learn from this woman. If you're taking notes, this is in your notes this morning. The first thing is this. She is a responsible woman. A wise woman is a responsible woman. A wise man is a responsible man. She, she looks at this situation and she sees that no one is stepping up to the plate. No one is dealing with the problem. There is a problem, and since nobody else is going to step up and deal with it, she's going to step up and deal with it. She's going to take responsibility for it because no one else will. And I'm so glad that she does this, and I'm glad, you know, I look around this room, and I see some strong women in this room. I see women in this room that rise up and step up, and that's good because, you know what, sometimes they need to. Why? Because, can I get real with you, sometimes men don't step up like they should. Can I get an amen? Sometimes men don't fulfill the role they're supposed to play. And so it, it means women have to step up into these roles. Now, I'm not saying as a woman that you can't step in a role even if a man. I'm just saying sometimes we force women to do these things because men just simply won't step up. That's what we see in this story. The men of the city, the leaders of the city aren't stepping up. They're not doing what they're supposed to. So this woman says, if you're not going to step up, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to take responsibility for it. She says this in verse 19, I am among the peaceable and the faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city, and look at what she says here, and a mother in Israel. Notice she calls herself not just a mother, not just a mother of her children, but she calls herself a mother in Israel. She's aligning herself with her city, with her people. She's saying in that statement, I am responsible for these people. I am a mother in this city. And I'm sure she wishes that the men would step up, that they'd do something about it. But since they're not, she's not going to wait on them. She's not going to sit by and watch her family get destroyed, watch disaster come upon her city, her town, her people, to see destruction take place in her home. She's not going to allow that to happen. She's not going to sit by and wait for somebody to step up, hoping that they'll do it. She's going to take responsibility for it. And Christians, listen, we got to step up. 
As believers, we got to look at the world around us. We got to look at some of the problems and some of the issues that we're facing, and we have to take responsibility for it. Quit waiting on somebody else to step up. Maybe God is calling you to step up and you to do something about it. We have a responsibility to step up. We're all called to do something significant with our life, every one of you. In fact, the Bible says this in Galatians 6, 5. It says, each of you must take responsibility. Notice, must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. God wants you to do the best you can with your life. Someday you're going to stand before God and he's going to look at your life. And he's going to, you're going to be judged on how you, how you did your life, how you lived your life. Now, your, your salvation is going to be judged on whether or not you made Jesus the Lord of your life. But you're also going to be judged on how you lived your life. And that's not going to determine whether you go to heaven or hell, but it's going to determine the kind of rewards that you have in heaven, the kind of blessings that you step into for eternity. Your life matters. God has you here for a reason. And we've got to take responsibility. We've got to do something with our life. We've got to take responsibility for what's going on. You've got to take responsibility for your spiritual growth. It's not, somebody else's respons- it's not somebody else's responsibility to make you spiritually grow. It's your responsibility we got to step up. we got to get in the Word. we got to worship God. we got to discover who we are in Christ and take responsibility for this. we got to take responsibility for the spiritual growth of our children. Listen, I love you. You know that, right? Yep. Say, say, he loves me. I love you. I do. And you know I love your kids. That's why we, we do children's ministry the way we do here. We don't babysit your kids back there. They're being taught and trained and discipled. But I also want you to understand something. We are not the primary discipler of your children. Our job is not to train your children up in the way they should go. That's your job. Our job is to partner with what you're already doing, to reinforce what you're doing in the home, not the other way around. A lot of times we put that responsibility on the church. No, 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 no. I'm responsible for my three kids and how they love God and how they come to know God. And the church reinforces what I do in the home. We're responsible. We have to take responsibility for this. There's a lot of problems in this world, right? A lot of chaos in this world. A lot of things that we look at sometimes and we say, man, I don't like that. I don't like that issue over there. I don't like the way that's being done. I don't, listen, when you see those problems, why don't you step up and you do something about it? You take responsibility for those issues, those problems. God is calling, God is looking for people that will look at the world around them and say, I will take responsibility. I'll step up. I'm not going to wait on other people to step up. I'm going to be the one who's willing to step up and step out in faith and obey God and deal with the problems and fix the problems of this world. That's what we see in this wise woman. You want to be a wise woman, a wise man of God, you have to be a person who's willing to take responsibility for what's going on around you, what's going on in the world that you live in today. Here's the second thing we see in the life of this woman. She is a respectful woman. She is a respectful woman. A wise woman is a respectful woman. A wise man is a respectful man. It's it's amazing. As she deals with this issue, she she doesn't skirt away from the issue, but she deals with it. And when you you look at this in Scripture, it's amazing how, how much honor and respect she walks in as she deals with this issue. Let me show you some of this. It says, she says this to Joab. She says, please say to Joab, come nearby that I may speak with you. She says, please, and she says, may I? I mean, that's like politeness and 101 right there, right? Total, total honor, total authority, she, she understands here. Look what she says next. She says, uh, hear the words, she's talking to Job, hear the words of your maidservant. Here's what she's saying in that. She's recognizing Joab's role of authority in her life, and she's saying, I'm coming, I'm, I'm here to serve you. 
You, I recognize you're in a position you're in serving under the king who's been appointed by God. And she's recognizing the authority and saying, I'm here to serve the authority that God has put in place. I'm here to help and support that and, and, and minister to that. I'm here to serve that. And she goes on, she says this, They used to talk in former times saying, They shall surely seek guidance at Abel, and so they would end disputes. She speaks to where her city used to be. She, she speaks with honor about where her city once was. So what we see in her life is she's, she's, she understands the authority that's above her and around her, and she recognizes it, and she understands that God has put her in the place she's in. And what we don't see is her dogging the leaders that are around her. We don't see her saying to Joab, listen, I'm surrounded by idiots, okay? I don't know what these dum-dums are doing back here, but what, what, do, what do you need me to do? These guys are, she's not gossiping. She's, she's totally walking in honor and respect with the leadership around her and in the position she's in. She, even though her city may not be what it once was, she doesn't talk bad about it. She doesn't dog it. She doesn't throw shade on it. She's very honoring and respectful about her city. And notice what she says in verse 19. She says, I am among the peaceable and the faithful. Everybody say peaceable. peaceable. Everybody say faithful. She aligns herself with peacefulness and faithfulness. And listen, if you're going to be a person who is respectful, who deals with the problems in this world, you are going to have to do it with those two things at the forefront of your mind. You cannot deal with the issues of this world if you are not seeking to do it from a position of faithfulness and for a heart of peace. If you do, you're going to be what the Bible calls a clanging symbol that the world doesn't want to hear. But when you do it God's way, you position yourself so that God can use you and work with you. The world has enough chaos in it as it is. It doesn't need more chaos. It needs people who are faithful, faithful to God, faithful to the call of God, and who are striving to bring peace. That's what we see in the life of this woman. And listen, there is a blessing attached to that way of living. To, to aligning yourself that way, there's a blessing of God that is attached to you when you live that way. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse 20. It says, a faithful person will be richly blessed. A person who's faithful, faithful to the leaders, faithful to the position God has you in, faithful to the place that God has you in, faithful to the people he's surrounded you by. There's a blessing attached to you being faithful. Because when you're being faithful in those places, you're being faithful to God. It's not just to the people, it's to God. Psalms 101 verse 6 says, I will approve of those who are faithful to God and will let them live in my palace. God has a special place reserved for people who are faithful. Faithful to his word. Faithful to his calling. Faithful to what he's asking you to do. Faithful to obey. Faithful to give. Faithful to tie. Faithful to serve. There is a special blessing, a special place reserved for people that are willing to step out and be faithful to what God's calling you to do. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace. Notice it's a, it's a work. Peace doesn't just happen. There's a work. You've got to work for peace. People who are working for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses peacemakers, not troublemakers. There is so much chaos going on in the world. What God's looking for is people who are willing to step into those situations and bring peace into those situations, who are striving from a position of faithfulness, not gossiping, not talking bad, not throwing shade, not trying to, to, to be mean to everybody else around and make themselves look better by, built, by throwing other people under the bus. No, no, no. People who are faithful and people who are working to bring peace. People who aren't up and down. People who aren't all over the place, but peaceable and faithful. When we live that way and when we choose to honor the authority around us, man, God will bless you. You say, well, okay, Pastor Josh, here's the problem, though. You don't know what I'm dealing with. 
You don't know the kind of people that I'm surrounded by. You don't know what my boss is like. I would honor my boss. I would honor the authority around me if they deserved it, but they don't. You don't know my husband. You don't know what he's like. You don't know my, my wife. You don't know how she treats me. You don't know my, my, my teacher. You know my coach. You don't know what my parents are like. You, you, don't, you don't know. If they, if they deserved honor, I would give it to them, but since they don't deserve it, I'm going to withhold it. Understand this. When you honor the authority that God has put around you, even when they don't deserve it, you're really honoring God. And when you don't honor the authority that's around you, you're dishonoring God. We do everything as unto the Lord. We're serving. The people we serve, it's not about, it's not about necessarily them. It's about God. But here's what happens. When you, when you align yourself in this way where you say, I'm going to honor the authority that God's placed around me, I believe it does two things. One, it will elevate you past that situation, promote you out of it. The other thing it'll do is it will turn the heart of that person. Like, for example, you have a boss in your life that's treating you like dirt, doing things wrong. You begin to honor them, show honor to them like they're Jesus. I know that ain't easy all the time, but you, you, you choose to, to go that way. I believe God will promote you past them. He'll move you past them. He'll move you to a position where you're in authority. Or, or maybe you have a spouse today, and they're not living for God like they should. Maybe they're not even here today. I, I don't know your situation. But you begin to honor and love them and show respect to them in a way that you would honor Jesus Christ. I believe you begin to soften and turn their heart towards the things of God for you. We, we do this as unto the Lord. Here's what I'm getting at. If you'll honor authority, God will honor you. If you will respect those that God has placed around you, I believe God will, will elevate you to a new place. That's what we see in the life of this wise woman. She's elevated to a position of authority because she's willing to deal with the problem. She deals with the problem, but she does it in a respectful, honoring way. If we're going to deal with the problems in our world, we got to address those from a place of, are we bringing peace to them, and are we faithful to what, where God has put me, where God has placed me, the authority that he has put around me? So this woman, we see that she's a responsible woman. She's a respectful woman. Here's the third thing we see in this woman. She is a ruthless woman. And a wise woman is a ruthless woman. A wise man is a ruthless man. And when I say ruthless, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about ruthless with the things that are not agreeing with the word of God ruthless with the stuff that the king does not approve of. If the king says it's a rebel, then we got to get ruthless with it. That's what we see in the life of this woman. She goes to Joab, why are, why are you doing this? Why are you going to destroy the city? And he says, hey, lady, my problem's not with you. My problem is with the rebel. You've allowed a rebel in your city. And that banging that you're hearing right now is us coming after the rebel. And there's destruction coming. But if you'll deal with the rebel, if you'll get the rebel out, the destruction will cease and we'll, we'll be out of here and this will be over. My question to you is, are, are there some of you maybe in here today and you've allowed a rebel into your home? You've allowed a rebel into your life. There's something going on. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's just a way of thinking that's, that's in opposition to the word of God and the truths of the Bible. A way that you see yourself, a way that you see the world around you that is in rebellion to what God's word has to say. And you've allowed it to live and you can sense, there's like this sense of destruction is coming because of it. And in your life, it's like, there's like this, this low banging. There's a shake up that you feel like something is coming against you. I, I know, I can tell you, from my own experience, I lived this way for a long time as a believer. 
I had some sin in my life, and I knew it was wrong, and I knew I needed to deal with it, and I could sense that destruction was coming against me because I was allowing a rebel into my life. we got to deal with the rebel. And maybe some of you, that's where you find yourself today. You, you've allowed a rebel in, and you, you need to deal with it. That sense that you have about you that destruction is coming, listen, that's the Lord speaking to you. And it's not that he's saying to you, hey, I'm getting ready to wipe you out. You better deal with this or I'm going to level you. That's not how God works, okay? God's not looking to kill you, destroy you. No, no. Here's what God, why God is warning you is because he knows that the rebel is going to hurt you. The rebel of sin, the rebel of the enemy, if you allow him into your life, he's going to hurt you. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Sin hurts you. Sin hurts your calling. Sin hurts your family. It does damage to your life. The Bible says that the devil is seeking who he can devour. He's looking for an opportunity to get in your life and to steal the promises of God and to steal the plan of God away from you. He's looking for an opportunity. He's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. The rebel. And, and, and when we allow him in. And, and God is saying, hey, don't. Get, get the rebel out. Deal with the rebel. Don't let the rest, he's going to destroy you. He's going to ruin your life. He's going to wreck all the plans I have for you. Don't allow it. And so what we have to do is we have to be wise like this woman and we got to get ruthless and we got to cut the head off and we got to throw it over the wall. That's what we have to do. We have to get serious about this problem. That's what this woman does. She gets serious about it. It reminds me of a story I, I heard many times growing up about a little boy and a little girl. The little boy was about three years old. And his sister was about seven years old, and the little boy had a problem. He'd be outside playing, and, uh, and he would need to go to the bathroom. And he'd be playing so hard that he didn't want to stop playing, so he would do what, what little boys will do sometimes, and he would just drop his pants and just pee-pee wherever he was. Everybody say pee-pee. <laughs> Bet you weren't expecting to say that at church this morning. <laughs> but he would, he'd pee in the... He'd pee in the playground he'd pee in the sandbox he'd just go for it let it fly right like little boys will do and so obviously you can understand why this would be a problem so so his sister would tattletale on him and and the mom came out one day and she said hey you gotta quit going pee pee outside you, you ever had one of these like heart to hearts with a three-year-old it's a powerful moment you're like trying to talk to them and they're going eh, looking around hey look at me hey hey right quit pee peeing outside casey stop it and so she's telling him, hey, we go pee-pee in the potty. We pee-pee inside. We don't pee-pee outside. We pee-pee inside. And so she has this whole conversation with him, and she walks away from it, and, you know, hopefully the problem is solved. Well, a couple of days later, the little sister runs back inside. She says, Mom, he's going potty outside again. And she's, like, freaking out. And so Mom's like, okay, fine. She rolls up her sleeve, and she's, I can't believe he's doing this again after I specifically told him not to. She walks out there. She gets in his face, pointing her finger at him. Did you go pee-pee outside after I told you not to go potty outside? Did you go potty? I specifically told you not to potty outside. And he looks at his mom with complete sincerity, proud look on his face. He says, it's okay, Mom. I floated over the fence. You guys follow? It wasn't, it wasn't pee-pee. He floated over the fence. Now, I heard that story a lot growing up, and there's a reason why. Because that little boy was me. I'll be meeting and greeting you outside after the service is over. And here's why I tell you that story. Because in our life sometimes, <laughs> there's some stuff, some messes that sometimes we create <laughs> that
that we, we squat and we make some messes in our life that are, that are stinky and ugly and dirty and can cause infection and are gross and should not be a part of our life. And we've caused some of these or, or we've allowed some of these things to be in our life. And listen, you got to get like three-year-old Josh and you got to grab that stuff and get ruthless with it and float it over the fence. <laughs> Turn to the person beside you and say, float it over the fence. We got to float it over the fence, people. That's what this woman does. She doesn't just allow it. She cuts the head of it off and she throws it over the fence. And we got to get that way about the stuff in our life that doesn't belong, the stuff in our life that's in rebellion to the word of God. We got to get ruthless with with it. Stuff like unforgiveness, we got to cut it off. We got to throw it over the fence. Stuff like shame from our past that we continue to keep reliving. We got to cut its head off and throw it over the fence. Depression. Cut its head off, throw it over the fence. Addiction, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is, we got to get ruthless with it. What does that mean? You need to talk to some people. You need to get some help, probably. You need to get real with it. You need to get ruthless. You need to grab it and float it over the fence. Say it again, float it over the fence. We got to get real with this stuff. We got to deal with it. Is there something in your life that the king does not approve of? Is there an area in your life that you look at and you say, man, I know that that's not an agreement. That way I think about myself. That, that attitude I see in my children. It doesn't belong in this house. That doesn't agree with what God's word has to say. So I'm going to cut its head off and I'm going to throw it over the fence. It doesn't belong here. I'm not going to let destruction come upon my house. I'm not going to let my house be torn apart. I'm not going to let my family be torn apart. I'm going to rise up like this wise woman, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to be responsible and respectfully, ruthlessly deal with the problem and throw it over the fence. That's where we got to get, church. we got to get real with this stuff. There's another story in Judges chapter 4. If you want to turn there real quick, I'll share this story with you because there's a spiritual principle I think we see in this story that's important to us continuing to find this freedom and, and deal with these problems in our life. There's a, uh, there's a king named Sisera in this story that has been a rebel to the kingdom of Israel for 20 plus years, doing all sorts of damage. And, and he, again, it's another story where this guy, he's a rebel and he's running. And as he's running, he ends up in the tent of this young girl named Jael. And he's seeking refuge in her tent. He's seeking to escape and hide in her tent. And so he shows up in her tent, and it's interesting when you read the story, because at the beginning of it, it kind of sounds like she's bringing him in, she's taking care of him, she gives him some milk, uh, she gives him a blanket, she encourages him to take a nap, it looks like she's trying to help him, but she ain't at all. So it says this in verse 20, and he, this is Sisera talking, said to her, stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man in here, you shall say no. So, she, so he goes and takes a nap. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Happy Mother's Day, New Song Church. Not your typical Mother's Day message, but I think we need to hear it. Everybody say, Ruthless. She got ruthless, and she hammered away at the thing that did not belong in her midst. She hammered away at the problem. And listen, beyond all the practical things that we can do in the natural to deal with the problems of our life, we got to hammer away spiritually 
at some of these problems that the enemy is bringing against us. We got to hammer away. You got sin in your life. You got an addiction in your life. You got to hammer away at that with the word of God. You got to get the word down in you. Know what the word of God has to say. Hammer with the word. You got to hammer at it in prayer. Every day, praying, speaking God's word, speaking the life. We talked about last week, your words are full of life. You speak God's life over your problem. Speak God's life over that chaos in your life. Hammer away in praise. In the middle of those frustrating moments, in the middle of you being afraid and in fear of what's going on around you, you lift up your hands in the middle of that and you hammer away in worship and say, God, in spite of what I see, I'm going to praise you. You grit your teeth and you worship God in the middle and in the face of whatever you're dealing with. And when you do that, listen. It will elevate you to a place of blessing. It'll position you where God can, can lift you out of that position and the destruction and the chaos will cease against you. You cut its head off, you get ruthless, you deal with it, and God will protect you and watch over you. And your house, listen, your house can be a house where answers are found. Your house can be a house of peace. Your house can be a house where where at one point maybe it was a house of chaos. Maybe your life is, is chaotic right now, but your life can be turned around. Your house can be a place where love, you know, that's, that's who we're called to be. We're called to be salt and light and love as Christians. God's called you to that. The fact that he's called you to it means that you can do it. He wouldn't ask you to do something you can't do. You, you can step into that role. If you're willing to partner with God, allow him to help you. Obey him. Do, do things his way. Be wise like this wise woman. And there's women and men in here today, and I don't know your situation. I don't know where you find yourself today. There's women in here today. I know that you're balancing work life and home life. You're balancing, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom today, and you're training up those little kids, doing one of the greatest assignments that could ever be in front of you. Maybe you're a single mom today trying to balance all this out by yourself. Maybe you're a widow today dealing with life and, and an unsure future, what that looks like without your husband there. I'm here to tell you today, God's just looking for wise women. Women who are willing to do things his way and just trust in him. I know that there may be that sound in your life right now, that hammering sound that sounds like destruction's on its way. But if you'll deal with the problem, if you'll deal with the rebel... If you won't allow the rebel to take residence in your life, won't allow those lies to be what you believe is truth, allow God's word to be the truth in your life, run the re- cut, cut its head off and float it over the fence, you can, you can have a home that's full of peace. You can be the place where people go for answers. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for this word today. And I thank you for these amazing mothers in here, for these amazing fathers in here, these amazing students, wherever everybody is today, Lord, I just, I just thank you about this, this woman that we can look at her story all these years later and we can learn wisdom from her story. I pray that you would help us to be wise like this woman, to be wise and take responsibility for the problems that are happening around us. We know there's a, a dark, chaotic world all around us, but Lord, we choose to say, that we'll step into the darkness, we'll take responsibility and we'll allow you to use our light, the light that you placed inside of us to bring light into that darkness. Lord, we choose to be respectful. We choose to honor the authority around us today 
Holy Spirit, maybe you're speaking to us today and telling us that we haven't done that the way we should, and we, we repent of it. We ask for forgiveness, and we ask that you would help us to honor the authority you've placed around us, wherever it may be, and, and help us to see that as we honor those around us, as we love those around us, we're honoring you, Lord. We're honoring Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you'll put within us a passion to get ruthless with the sin, ruthless with the things that don't belong, ruthless with the stuff that has no place, ruthless with the rebel. We will not allow the rebel to take residence in our home. We know the rebel brings destruction, and we don't want destruction, Lord. So we choose to throw it over the fence. We choose to throw it over the wall, to cut it off. Help us, Lord. Help us, whatever that may be today. If it's a sin that we're struggling with, God, I pray that you would speak to us and help us to know what to do. Help us to step out in faith and take the steps necessary to get the help that we need. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love to pray with you this morning. One of the greatest miracles that can take place in your life is is the miracle that takes place at salvation when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, there's an incredible miracle that takes place in that you, you are born again. And the old ways, the old sinful nature of your life is completely washed away. And, and, and you, you're rerouted for eternity to the promise of heaven. I mean, it's, it's the greatest miracle that it could ever take place. And I know there's probably some of you in here, maybe you've never made that decision before. You've never made the decision to, to go all in with God and to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe you're here today and you know that your life with God is not where it should be. Maybe you recognize today that there's a rebel that you've been given place to. Maybe you recognize today that you're kind of that rebel. The way you've been living your life is in rebellion to God and his word. And and listen, if that's you, God's not mad at you. He loves you and he's for you and he wants to help you. And all you have to do is turn to him and everything will change. So if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come forward. But I would like to know so I can pray with you so we can all pray together. If that's you today, would you just lift up your hand? Just put it up and then put it right back down. I see that hand. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Yes. If that's you today, if that's you today, put your hand up. Just you put it up and you put it right back down. Don't be ashamed. If you feel like God's tugging at you right now, he probably is. Make that decision today. Lift that hand up. Put it right back down. Just let me know. All right, here's what we're going to do, church. There's several hands that went up all over this room. We're going to pray together this morning, and and we're going to all pray this prayer together. And as we do, as we confess this with our mouth, those people that raise their hand for the first time, the greatest miracle of that can happen is about to take place. This is awesome. So church, if you would, would you say this with me? Every one of us, especially those who raise your hand, confess this with your mouth and believe it in your heart. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Today. I'm turning my back on the world and my old ways. I repent for my sins. I choose to change my mind and my direction. I've decided to follow Jesus. Jesus, be my Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose so that I could be raised to new life. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior for being my God. I'm going all in. I give you all of me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a hand, church.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.